Welcome to the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast, Episode 4, a show all about two guys talking about movies. And this should be an interesting episode. Um, I got a peek at some of Joey's opinions this week because we are talking about two movies that I think we are in disagree with quite a bit. But without further ado, here's my co-host, Joey. What you got for us? All right. Hey, this is Joey. Um, thanks so much, everyone, that is following the show. And if you enjoy listening to us uh, chat, make sure to hit us up and subscribe. If you have any questions and you would like them answered, please just send it right over to the Average Joe's Movie Club cast at gmail.com. Our featured movie this episode is going to be We Need to Talk About Kevin, uh, 2011, written and directed by Lynn Ramsey. Um, we are going to be discussing this film in detail, so there will be spoilers. Justin, what led you to add this film to your movie club list? Uh, we need to talk about Kevin. So I'd heard a lot about Lynn Ramsey. Um, she's a pretty um, acclaimed auteur filmmaker. She has one film in the Criterion Collection uh, called Ratcatcher, which I saw. And I also saw her f- movie from last year, um, You Were Never Really There, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix. So I was all, uh, she'd been on my radar as a, um, an auteur filmmaker that's modern that gets talked about a lot. Um, and for some reason I kept putting this one off. I had heard so much about it and like, you were not, you were never really there is told very oddly. It really, it jumps back and forth quite a bit. And I was kind of put off by it at first, but then when I got thinking about it, it's all about like PTSD for a guy. And so I appreciated it more. And then rat catcher, it's, it's very poetic and it's kind of a slice of life for like this kid in the UK. Uh, living in this kind of bad situation. So I hadn't really connected with any of her films a lot, but that changed a lot with this this go around, and I'm really glad that you picked it. So uh, what did you think about it, Joey? Not really knowing anything about it other than, you know, reading the synopsis on uh, Letterboxd beforehand, and I, I was looking forward to it. Um, I liked the two main actors, John C. Riley and Tilda Swinton, um, and then I got into the movie... Um, I'll start off with saying that the acting is really good. Uh, All all of the, all of the actors that they, they they cast to play Kevin um, throughout his lifespan did a really good job. Tilda Swinton, everything I've ever seen her in, she did fantastic job. She did a really good job in, in her role as the mother, John C. Riley as, you know, the husband and the father. Um, He did a really good job. The, the movie itself. um, I, I was not overly impressed with, um, I, I I won't say that it was a bad movie. Um, it just it just didn't do anything for me. Um, normally like a disjointed storyline like this movie presented, um, I like norm you know nonlinear works for me. I mean, obviously as we talked about many times, I love Tarantino and that man wouldn't know a straight line if it hit him in the face. Um, right. <laughs> but it just here it didn't it did not work for me. Um, there are a couple things. Um, I mean, the, I think the big thing I, I mean, we were audibly talking about it throughout the movie was just, just red, red everywhere over and over and over and over and over and over and over. <laughs> so what do you think? Well, do you have an interpretation of what red meant? I mean, I kept waiting for something somewhere in the movie. You know, you know, your first thing is okay blood or you know maybe shame or something and it never really never really ever came to me i i'm i'm gonna 
like I, I just kept waiting as as I put in my letterbox review, you know, like there was supposed to be some sort of symbology, and I kept, you know, waiting for something to come to me that it, it was supposed to be a symbolism of, and I just, I, I'm gonna guess that it was meant to be like like Tilda Swinton's shame or something, and it just, I, I don't know, it never presented itself to me in a, in a way that seemed to make sense for me. Or maybe it was supposed to be an alarm, you know, like Red's... Uh... Yeah, that's what I was actually about to say is um, I saw this earlier this month, so it's been a while. So a lot of the visuals are kind of fading from my memory. But just in hearing you talk about it, Red, 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 um, a warning sign because Kevin, you know, at any moment is going to snap. And that red, to me, really symbolizes the fact that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You better wait. You better watch out. And yet they are not ready when it happens. Well, I mean, and, that, and that's another thing, like, so Tilda Swinton, the whole movie, she's like, something's wrong with this kid. 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 No one else is like, everyone else is like, nah, this kid's fine. John C. Riley, he's like, nah, he's just a regular baby. Takes her to the doctor. The doctor's like, he's fine. And then, like, nothing gets through to the kid until, you know, she drops him or throws him after, you know, he, you know, craps himself. As like what seven eight year old kid who's still in diapers, I don't know exactly how old he was. He was definitely old enough to where he shouldn't have been in diapers. And then he finally he's like, he already knew how to use the bathroom. He breaks his arm. He goes in, uses the bathroom all on his own. And it's just the the whole movie is just building. You know that it's building to him doing something terrible, obviously, because you know she's talking to him and he's in jail. You you start seeing him learn archery, and you're like, okay, so he's gonna archer some people to death cool like they they're putting the pieces in place they're building the puzzle and then it's a school shooting and it's like school shooters don't live one this is kind of like i don't know i didn't feel like the payoff was was worth it and by, by the time you get to the payoff and then you know she asked him the question at the end I don't remember exactly how it was worded, you know, why did you do it or something of that nature at this point. And, you know, there wasn't even in payoff there. And, you know, he leaves her alive. And throughout the whole movie, she was the one other than the brief scene where he was sick. And outside of that, he basically hates her and he leaves her alive, but kills, kills the, the sister and the father who throughout the movie, he, you know, you see the scene where he's like playing with his sister with the vacuum and he's like, Oh, it's the suck monster. And, you know, he, you know, he bonds with the father throughout the movie. And, you know, maybe that's all a ploy of his you know, psychopathic tendencies, but it's just, you know, you would think that he would have killed her and left them alive. And this is all of it just didn't all add up very well to me. To, to... So it may be a, a fresh take. Okay. Um, it's interesting you bring up, um, why he left her alive in a lot of ways for me, it's almost like leaving her alive was more of a punishment to her than letting her be over with it and be done. Because what I really enjoyed from the flash forwards and backs was that you really see how miserable her life is once, you know, the school or the, the, the school tragedy is over and people are like throwing stuff at her house. She lives in a shithole of a house and things are just not cool for her. And um, that quote that you mentioned that um, 
I actually thought it was pretty powerful. I, I'm looking at it here. I think it, he says something to the extent of, um, I want to know why I used to think I knew, uh, knew. Now I'm not so sure. Where this kid has a total lack of empathy. And obviously that's shown throughout the whole thing. And he is so unempathetic that the fact that he's tortured his mother his entire life and now he's locked away. And now he's like, oh, I forgot why I did all this. I could care less. And so that really exaggerated the point for me. Um, let me kind of tee my interpretation or my uh, feelings in the movie up by saying, man, I thought this movie was brilliantly painful. Um, school shootings, tragedies have always struck, uh, struck a really certain um, nerve with me. I remember when the um, there was, what was the school? Tra- remember the, the name of the tragedy um, up in New England right before Christmas? Uh, um, Sandy Hook? Sandy Hook. Thank you. Like for instance, when Sandy Hook happens, oh my gosh, that's that tragedy. Like there's a lot of school shootings in America, but Sandy Hook, the fact that those kids got gunned down, like right before their Christmas break, (sighs) really tore me apart. And so gun violence in America, I've never been really much of a gun person. So I, for some reason, I'm super sensitive to this stuff. So the fact that that was the big, like where this movie was going really got me. And what's crazy is the fact that you see like him getting all these bicycle locks. I'm thinking like, hmm, I wonder what he's up to. Is he into some like, is he going to like sell them and do something weird? And no, I was totally blindsided in the fact that, you know, he used those to lock up this auditorium so he could maliciously just shoot people with arrows, which is just crazy to think about. And I mean, you mentioned the fact that it wasn't realistic. He didn't survive. Maybe so, but I think there's enough like over the top fantasy building up to that to, or maybe this isn't supposed to be the most realistic story. Does that gel with you at all? I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, and I guess the fact that, you know, he had barricaded himself in there and, you know, by the time, you know, you see him with the, with the saws cutting through the, through the bike locks getting in, you know, he wasn't resisting or anything. Um, and I guess his, his psychopathic tendencies were different than, you know, what you see in most, most situations where they're just going from room to room, um, with, you know, automatic rifles and that automatic rifles where they're just gunning people down and then the cops come and they're doing, you know, suicide by cop. He did, he did everything, you know, he, he killed, he killed the sister, you know, after he already mutilated her uh, he kills the sister and then he, you know, he kills the father and then he goes and does this. And, and you're right. You know, the mom's life is complete and utter shit. Um, you know, she has a crappy job. Um, you know, you have the scene where she's at, uh, at the, the Christmas party or whatever. And the guy is like, Hey, dance. And Hey, will you dance with me? And you know, she's clearly feeling him. She's laughing. She's smiling, but she's like, no, I don't want to dance. And then, you know, after she you know says it again, like the guy doesn't handle the rejection and goes all crazy on her. So yeah, her life's terrible. So maybe, you know, it's not all about, you know, commit suicide. It's, it's just, I'm going to ruin your life for, for shigs. Um, you know, I didn't even kind of take that into account. Um, and, and while I didn't necessarily like the movie, I mean, the movie was very powerful. You know, it wasn't, you know, like watching, you know, like a bad movie that was just, just bad. It just, you know, where there wasn't anything redeeming. Right. Um, one thing I want to say um, while I'm thinking about it is my I think my one complaint about the movie, one part that did feel a little contrived to me is their marriage falling apart. 
like with John C. Riley and her, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we're having trouble. But then it's like they don't even commit to it. And then the school tra tragedy happens. It's like that part was a little thrown in there and didn't. That would be my my one complaint about the story is um, how the alleged divorce didn't really um, go anywhere. Um, <laughs> one of the one crazy part of the movie. How about the um, walking in during a blowjob scene? Okay, so uh, two things. So the thing with the divorce, um, I felt like the the whole movie. It's like, wh why isn't there any you know I anything mentioned about a divorce up until the end? Because they're they're having so much problem with this kid. Like they're they're so happy and love, and then there's kid, and there's all these problems with this kid, and they're just kind of sticking it out. And it took that long to get to the divorce and then yeah they just kind of glossed over it and then yeah he he just walks in during uh during the you know during the blowjob or whatever and you know they kind of tease it with the oh i you know i pooped myself and you're like oh he must have had an accident while he was sleeping and then you realize later when you see him in the the rubber diapers you know no he's just not potty trained until you realize that yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I didn't really notice it at first until like you see him on the changing table and he has that like reinforcer in there to re um to really sink in the fact that, you know, this kid is way too old to be in diapers and the only reason he's in diapers is because he's trying to um make his parents uh, his mom's life in particular miserable. Um I guess let's talk about the casting of John C. Riley. Like at first it seems like super awkward because you have this like guy that's really known for his comedic roles. But at the same time, I feel like him being in there really sells the fact that this is this happy-go-lucky person who always looks on the bright side. And he is like super manipulated by Kevin. And he, you know, Kevin has him totally wrapped around his finger. And you buy it because it's goofy John C. Riley. Yeah, I mean – um, like, like I, I made a reference in, in my letterbox review that he's as thick as Cal Naughton Jr., you know, referencing his character in, in Talladega Nights. And you talk about someone that's happy go lucky. I mean, that's a happy go lucky guy. And like, yeah, he's just, like you said, he's known for his comedic roles being happy go lucky. And he's, you know, he's like, Hey, he's a happy go lucky kid. And maybe that's why, you know, he's so happy go lucky that he's, He's content, you know, with the kid, with his wife, you know, they move out to that big house and, you know, that our own personal castle, you know, out in the suburbs. And, you know, even even when their daughter gets, you know, loses her eye, which, you know, he doesn't he thinks it's, you know, Tilda Swinton's fault. And you know, they, they still continue being together after that. And it's just, you know, I bet you, you know, they don't show it, but, you know. You know, so it's the surprise when you see them dead. But I bet you, you know, hey, son, how you doing? Uh, you out here shooting the arrows? And then, you know, gets gets popped with them. Yeah. Um, one of the really interesting things about the movie was the similarities between the mother and Kevin. Like, you can kind of definitely see that there are, you know, two birds of a feather. But the difference is Kevin has this total lack of empathy where she, you know, is trying to be a decent human being. And I thought it was really interesting late in the movie where like she takes, takes him on a lunch date and she's like, maybe I can relate with this kid by being mean like he is all the time. And so she's like, oh, you know, like that, that lady wouldn't be fat if she wasn't eating all the time. And he looks at her and he has the nerve to say, well, I guess that's where I get my attitude from, like not even taking any 
not comprehending at all that she's just trying to level with him. Instead, it's always him on the attack. Yeah, or you know, maybe he did comprehend and just took it as a chance to just not care. That that scene where he goes, uh, he, he just goes on the attack about, um, oh, you don't even have to ask me about um, some cunt that I'm dating or tell me not to get in her pants or you know, some, something of that nature. I don't remember the exact quote. And you don't have to tell me how it's okay to experiment with drugs because you used to do it um, and like, you know, down that whole, the rest of that bottle of wine and like that whole, just that whole scene was, it was just like, dude, like that's, it's like, you know, mom's, mom's trying here. So like the whole time, you know, you know, there's just times where she tries and tries and tries and he's just like, no, I'm not having any of it. Just, just not at all. Yeah. His total lack of empathy totally does not allow her to have that moment. And, um, speaking of me having kids, um, you know, that was another part I connected with, with this film. Um, you know, cause as a dad, like they're doing bad stuff a lot of times and I really have to keep myself in check and not like blow up at them like all the time. Cause you know, you want them to have a happy childhood. So I definitely connected with her on the scene where like he like what in like a couple seconds totally ruins this room with paint that she spent all this time on. And I know if that was me, I would totally flip my shit. So I was really like that, that got that, that scene got me with um how much he was uh, trying to get under her skin. Cause it got under mine too. Oh yeah. I mean, especially seen as, you know, I have no doubt that it was done intentionally, you know, and of course he goes back to John C. Riley back to how much John C. Riley was wrapped around his little finger oh, he was just trying to help decorate it, um, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, come on, guy. <laughs> like, but, you know, again, mm. you know, we're privy to information as the audience, as the, as the watcher that, you know, that he wasn't. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just, and then, you know, you see the, the, the room later and because, because Kevin had said that he was doing it as, um, as you know, because he was trying to help as decoration, it's still that painted mess. You know, she doesn't take any of the, you know, the maps or anything down and, and put new ones up. It's still just all of that, that paint everywhere in that same room. One thing that got me, which is, is just unique to me, is the fact that, um, so you know, I have three kids and we were really hoping that we'd have a girl, um, at some point and we ended up with three boys, which, you know, life is as it is. But, the fact that his resentment and like, so this little girl in the story, like she's an adorable little girl and that's sweet and all, but the dread that builds towards something bad happening to her and first it's animal cruelty and then it's what the chemical goes in her eye, which causes her to lose an eye. Is that right? Yeah. It was the, the cleaners that, you know, they had locked up and then, Mm -hmm. she took out and i guess you know he ended up getting into somehow because she said she put him back away so that was another element that was really tightening my screw the screws on me for the tension because i was like you know so like absorbed with how uh, wonderful this little girl was and you could see how the mother was really enjoying being a mother to her and how good of a mother she could be towards her little girl but at the same time you got kevin there and it's almost like that movie um the good son where there, there is that um, sibling death, um, which that, that reminds me, I should probably revisit that one. That was That's a nice creepy one as well with Macaulay Culkin. Um, and so that was another element that got to me. 
All right, so Joey, um, tell us about your final verdict um, that you gave. Um, we need to talk about Kevin. I mean, I, I gave it one and a half. Maybe, maybe after um, just talking about it with you and some new things to think about, maybe I should rate it a little bit higher. Um, there was definitely some elements I didn't, you know, think about. Definitely, um, just as a, as a personal liking, it's, it's not uh, my cup of tea, but it is it is a it is a pretty decent movie I, w- I would have to say it's just just not my cup of tea it's interesting to see your rating system a little bit because I, c- I come at it a little differently like a lot of times if i acknowledge that a movie is really well made but it just doesn't click with me usually the lowest i give it is like two and a half stars i mean rating is totally subjective so you do you i do me but um so <laughs> i was a little taken aback when i saw both of these rated uh movies uh you know rated under the two stars whenever I have them up in like the four, uh, the four region. Um, for me, I gave it four and a half stars. It was almost, it was, it was actually pretty difficult for me to rate this at first. I was so stunned from how emotionally drained I was. Um, cause after the school shooting part or the school, um, you know, the school tragedy part, I looked at the timeline. I was like, oh, how much do I have left? And I have like five minutes left. And I'm like, this is almost over. I can't believe it's almost over. Um, Cause you feel like there's so much more, like you need, you need answers, but you're not, you're not going to get them. Um, and so, yeah, I was emotionally drained, blown away by this movie. Um, I gave it four and a half stars, but I can easily see that going to five on a, um, another watch. And this is easily my favorite uh, Lynn Ramsey uh, movie. Um, I was really, really impressed. Um, my thoughts were we, we was I okay? I finally got to the payoff. We finally got to the to the to the scene to to the big you know the apex. It were here. Oh my god! I didn't get any answers. I didn't get any answers at the the prison scene when she's talking to him. Like there there, there was no payoff. Um, and that was part of the reason I I rated it so low was I I the movie ended and I just I, I felt like like I really didn't feel anything like i mean the movie was powerful but like i didn't feel like i didn't feel connected i didn't feel so did you feel did you feel empty or indifferent i just felt i mean honestly i felt really really indifferent like i don't feel any any desire to go back and rewatch it i don't feel and which is which is kind of sad because like i get you know talking about it you know there's there's good stuff in there but it's just I was really disjointed with with the way the movie was cut. I think it was part of it, which, like I said, which is kind of crazy because I like movies that have disjointed uh, storylines. But it just yeah. it just didn't do anything for me, unfortunately. Um, I will say, and we'll, we're going to talk about the second movie, the challenge movie later. It's I definitely enjoyed it more than that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely a different glass of water coming up with. Uh... With Dogville, but um, let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, so Joey and I decided for our movie conversation of the week that we were going to come up with some kind of movie list. And so my initial thought was like, let's come up with the top three movies that we want to see um, this year. And then instantly I'm like, oh crap, our top three movies are going to be the same. Uh, Joey, would you like to uh, reveal what easily would be our top three movies of the year coming up? Oh uh, yeah, our top three movies of the year would be um, Avengers: Endgame, which I I don't feel like that's a shock to anybody. Um, episode nine, 
also uh, Star Wars. Uh, again, I don't think that's really going to be a shock to anybody. And uh, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, not really a shock to anybody. Um, probably could stick a couple more on there on my side. Would really wouldn't shock anybody. But yeah, those would be the the top three. So. So since that was going to be so um, down the line, I figured we'd make it a little bit more interesting. And so I came up with this topic. What, Joey, are the top three popular films of 2019 that you're dreading? You don't think they're going to be good. You don't really want any part of it. All right. So the first one is actually uh, coming out right around the corner on April the 5th, uh, or at least according to where I saw it on the website here, uh, is Shazam. Really? Oh yeah, I have no 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 interest. It doesn't does not appeal to me. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a little scared with that one because there's so much good comedy for me in the trailer that maybe maybe they've blown their load on the trailer, which was my biggest problem with Thor Ragnarok was where I, I've revisited Thor Ragnarok and I've enjoyed it a lot more, but that first time I was like the whole first half of this movie was the trailer, and I'm like, give me something more, please. Oh, uh, pro tip. I don't watch most movie trailers unless I'm at the movie theater, okay. I, which also probably helps. I don't have cable, and I imagine you having three kids, you, you might still have cable in some, some capacity, or maybe they all just watch Netflix. So in this day and age, I'll, sometimes to inter- entertain my kids, I'll just turn on like the, um, the YouTube uh, movie trailer um, site. And just let movie trailers run, and that'll entertain them and get them excited about going to see them eventually. And so that's how that's that's part of my exposure. Plus, I get um, alerts from some YouTube channel that, like, whenever Endgame trailer dropped, I mean, I was watching it like a few minutes later just because I was like, "Ooh, wanna, <laughs> I wanna, wanna see some trailer." <laughs> I'm excited. I mean, and, and stuff for like Endgame, like I, they already have my money. I don't need to see the trailer. I don't need to see. When episode nine comes, I didn't need to see like the John Wick three trailer. Like I didn't need to see see any of those. They're going to get my money, so I, I don't want to see you know any anything that's going to be a possible spoiler yeah. or you know anything like that. Or you know like they tend to do where like you said in Thor Ragnarok, they gave away so much that you came out of it going like oh man. Whereas in that that end of 2017 to the first half of 2018 where they did Ragnarok, Black Panther and Infinity War, I thought Thor Ragnarok was the best of those three movies where most everybody will be like, "Oh, it was Infinity War." And I was I Yeah, I thought Infinity War was the worst of the three. Ooh, hot take. How many times have you seen the movie? Infinity War? I've yeah. Seen, I've seen all of them either once or twice. Oh my goodness, Infinity War, I had a total blast. Oh no, 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 that but, doesn't mean anyway. that I think it was bad. I thought all of them were really, really good. I just, of the three, I thought it was the worst. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> just too much Just too much going on? Um, no, I thought all of the, the, the deaths in the snap were, were bad. I thought all of those deaths were bad because all of the movies, like all the people that died, um where they already mm-hmm. had movies announced. Like you don't kill Spider-Man when you already have far from home mm-hmm. announced. You don't kill all of uh, guardians of the galaxy and they have movies announced. Their deaths don't mean anything. We know they're not actually dead. Like on top of the fact that the movie split in half and we know that they're probably going to come back to life anyway. We know that their deaths, that there's, right. there's not any possibility of them actually potentially being dead. They already have movies announced. So there's, they're definitely dead. 
like Tom Holland on top of that, he's only had this is only his third appearance and he's only had one stand standalone movie killing him for the that that cheap line mm-hmm. of oh Mr. Stark I don't feel so good like oh, like man. I just thought it it was cheap and like it was bad. Like the the movie itself was was good. Like they put the people like like putting, you know, RDJ with Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland, like all of them, like put them together, like the way they put people together and stuff in that movie was really good. But just the, the my main problem was was the end. Um, like Thor in that movie was fantastic. Um, like like the movie itself was was really good. Like I say, it was the worst of the three. I think I gave it four and a half. I think I might have given them all four and a half or five, but that one was just, or maybe I gave it four. It was just the the end was the thing that that really just did it for me that's understandable and um like for me like yeah like they have this whole marketing thing going on with all these characters um but it still had me where like spider-man dying was like oh that that hurt and then it almost makes it increases the tension for the next one because you know this is um you know how the story ends and we have all our main characters and we don't know what's going to happen to them so um I don't know. It should be interesting. Uh, one good uh, Infinity War memory for me was, so me and my son really enjoy um, Guardians of the Galaxy. So whenever it cuts to them with that um, music going, I tell you, that's a toe-tapping moment in that movie. That I looked over to my son, and we were enjoying that music when, when we're about to get back with the Guardians. And having that mixed into the whole rest of the Avengers, uh, that... That that part of the movie really tickled me. Oh yeah, and I mean Thor with Star Lord. I mean that was fantastic. Yeah. I mean like you can just put Chris Hemsworth in Guardians of the Galaxy from now until eternity, and I, I'm good. Or you give me you give me a movie with the three Chris's, and we're good. You just give me the three of them in a movie, and I'm I'm a okay <laughs> USA. Yeah, and after uh, Thor and Captain Marvel uh, chat in uh, Endgame, I'm sure there's going to be some interesting uh, fan fiction floating around. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Okay. So we digress seriously on that one. You really opened up a can of worms whenever you uh, put rank those Marvel movies. So my third um, movie that I'm dreading, because I know I'm going to have to see it because I have three kids, is uh, Secret Life of Pets 2. Um, I enjoyed the first one well enough. It had some funny moments, but the fact that we're taking that same premise and we're putting it on a farm, something we probably did already in Homeward Bound 2, um, no interest. It looks very underwhelming. That's that's fair. I'm glad I'm not going to have to see that. <laughs> Eight. The next one is going to be, uh, comes out in May, is Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I have, again, I like, um... I like Deadpool, but uh, I don't. Ryan Reynolds, there we go. So I like Ryan Reynolds, but I just don't like Pokemon. Um, and this doesn't do it for me. Not the card game, mm-hmm. not the TV show, not the video games. Just, it just doesn't do it for me. Um, the, the clips that I've seen uh, here and there, like it looks kind of weird. Um the movie itself probably will be fine. Maybe for people who like that stuff, it's just no, no interest on my part. I'm curious about that one. I'm not really a Pokemon fan at all. So I'm going to be fine with whatever they give me. They're not going to be 
crapping on my childhood in any way with this movie. So I'm curious. I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully optimistic. It does have that terrible kid from um, Jurassic World 2. Oh, oh man, so that was such a disappointing that's movie. That's not very promising. I had fun with it. I, I, I didn't take it too seriously, and I, I had an okay time with that one. But um, let's get back to the list. Uh, so my number two is uh, Dark Phoenix. Um, La- X-Men The Last Stand totally was a total embarrassment when it came to um, X-Men and how I felt about the franchise because um, hot take, I was always kind of more of a Cyclops fan than a Wolverine fan. And the fact that every one of those movies were focusing on Wolverine was driving me crazy. Um, there's a lot of bad buzz about the movie already, but I don't know. I mean, they, they didn't do the Dark Phoenix right the first time compared to how great it was in the cartoon. I, I'm kind of thinking they're gonna they're they're gonna squander it again. I'm I mean I'm hoping not. I'm I didn't include this one on the list because this is one that I'm I'm holding out hope for. I I like Sophie Turner. Um, and I mean, I like the rest of the cast. I, I'm hoping that... Is this a Brian Singer one? Are they even letting him direct now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Well, I'm hoping that it's definitely better than Last Stand, which just putting it on the poster is better than Last Stand. So there's that. Um, and I'm hoping it's better than Apocalypse. So here's here's hoping. Uh, who is going to direct that movie? Um, See, so he produced Brand Singer produced X Men Apocalypse. Um, yeah, I only say that because of all the all the dirt that was getting thrown around about him. Um, you know, following Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah, I completely forgot about that. You're right. They probably won't let him direct it. Yeah, he's kind of on a Hollywood blacklist right now, is, is from what I can tell. Yeah, 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 you're right. I, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, they're probably, if he, if he had, they are like, like, can we take this away? Can we take his name off the list? It says it's by Simon Kinberg, who, what, let's see what credits. He was involved with The Martian, Logan, Fan Stick, and oh, he has quite a yeah, lot of... Did. Credential Logan, because um, that was that was a good movie. I think it's a little overrated, but I need to revisit that one um, again. I'm kind of a, a Wolverine. I'm over Wolverine, so I was seriously over Wolverine by the last chapter of that story. Um, I mean, I would like for them to, you know, like obviously this one's going to be very Phoenix centered, but you know, if they did, it, it sucked that you know I love Days of Future Past, but if they had, you know, if they had not taking that and made that movie focused on him. I get why they do. Cause he's like the most popular character, mm-hmm. but you know, if they take dark Phoenix and they don't make it all about him, it would be, it would be a good, a good thing. And that was the one instance where I was on board with Wolverine driving the show. Um, just because the story was so, well, it was, the story was doing enough to where I didn't mind. I really enjoyed that one. Oh, days or days of future past. Yeah, Days of Future Past. Oh yeah, I love that movie. That movie was was very good. I saw that one like twice opening weekend in theater. And so, what's your number one um, movie that you're dreading coming up? All right, so this one, um, I am dreading. I'm probably and I'm 
I'm still going to see this one. I'm, I'm dreading for a couple different reasons. It is uh, Joker come out in October, rebooted out, and got another new Joker. Um, and while I like Joaquin Phoenix, I, I don't know if he's the right guy for this role. I, I thought Jared Leto, um, what I saw that wasn't cut out and left on the, the floor of Suicide Squad, was did a really good job. And I feel that uh, if you'd put him in a movie and it had been a Batman movie with him and uh, Ben Affleck, that would have been, or hell, no, not even Ben Affleck. You just give me Jared Leto as the Joker, that would have been perfectly, perfectly fine. It would have been really good. Um, and it's just, I mean, I'm going to go see it, or maybe I won't go see it in theater. I'll definitely at some point watch it, but it's just, I just, I don't have really any expectations um of what they're what they're doing over there in in dc world and especially with 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 joker interesting um so my one is going to be aladdin um the disney remakes really haven't bothered me thus far i mean they've been okay like jungle book was pretty good and beauty and the beast was pretty much just the same thing as the cartoon just with an additional song and i was fine with that but aladdin's my favorite and you're messing with my favorite there and i saw the trailer and it just does not have the majesty of what i you know that where the the cartoon gets me so i'm starting to jump on board with you know why are they making these because they're just making worse versions of their masterpieces um it's just money i guess i mean it is money and now you know they get to do live action and i guess bring it around for a second generation or they're hoping to tack it you know uh into our um nostalgia of you know being kids that was one i almost put on the same list um because like you said it's your favorite it was my favorite as a kid um and you know, honestly, I have nothing against Will Smith, and as being the genie, actually, I think it, for who's alive today that would be in that that could fill Robin Williams' shoes, I think he's a very good choice. Might be the only person that could even come close, and it has nothing to do with that at all. As most people think, oh, Will Smith's going to ruin Robin Williams. It's it's not even that. It's like I don't think that you're going to get anything close to to that level. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it'll do good. I I actually thought that the Jungle Book, the the Jungle Book act, uh, live action adaptation was really good. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I liked the Beauty and the Beast. Um, that was one I saw at midnight. Uh, so yeah, I, th I thought those were good. I mean, okay. You know, maybe maybe we'll have to try to set aside our our this being our favorite movie and uh, as a, a you know favorite Disney movie as kids and. Just take it as as a movie. Yeah, great point. Um, again, I saw the trailer for this one, and I almost got like a hit. I think they're gonna go with like they're really gonna play up the whole be yourself. Um, you know, go up and like I got this hitch yeah. vibe. You know, which Will Smith was in that movie from him talking to the kid that's playing Aladdin. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, all right, now let's transition over to the top three movies that look like they're going to be big hits, but they're kind of off the radars and you off the radar and um, you might not have thought about them. What's your, uh, what's your number three? Um, it's going to be fighting with family. It came out back on Valentine's day. 
Actually, I think it might have came out before that. Um, it's a movie. It's a it's a biopic. Um, it's produced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and he's might also be in it. He, he is in it at least for a cameo. But it's about uh, a WWE superstar Paige and her life of becoming about her family, which is a big wrestling family in England, and then her life of becoming a WWE superstar. Um, which if you are familiar, um, you know she's now retired. Unfortunately, she was like. 24 25 um and got injured uh basically the same injury that um made stone cold steve austin and edge have to retire which was a neck injury um so really interested in seeing that one um obviously because wrestling fan gotcha yeah i'm really curious to see that one as well um you've you, so you've seen it right i uh no i have not actually saw that because it was out at the same time as alita and uh okay. i picked alita uh to go see instead Okay. Yeah, I want to see. I'm I'm curious to see as well. There's a lot. It seems like a lot of good buzz. Um, my uh, number three is was on your last list. Um, I'm I'm optimistic for uh, the Joker. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is phenomenal, and um, the points you bring up make me a little bit more nervous. But um, I have faith in Joaquin, and um, there's been a lot of interesting buzz about this. So uh, I kind of want to see the Joker. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. What's your number two? Number two. Um, this is going to come out in September. It is the second part of a movie that came out a couple of years ago. That would be It Chapter Two. Yep. I was looking at that one as well. Yeah. Um. I mean, the first one was was really good. Um. You know, I used to think I wasn't really into horror movies, and I come to the realization that I'm not really into slasher movies. I'm definitely into horror movies and it chapter one was really mm -hmm. good um i to the point of i don't look stuff up i don't even know who really they've cast to be the older versions of the kids um so i'm just probably gonna go in blind and be totally surprised um or maybe I, yeah and but you know like i said the first one was just was fantastic i know and my roommate he loves horror movies so i'm sure it'll be one that if we don't go opening weekend, we're gonna we're definitely gonna go check out shortly thereafter. Yeah, I really enjoyed uh, part one, and I actually uh, started rewatching the start of that movie um, last night. My uh, my seven year old, don't tell his mother, um, is um, that was like one of the first seriously scary movies I showed him, and he was a little little creeped out at first, but I. Uh, but he's he, he kind of digs it. He's really into scary movies. Uh, it kind of bugs me. There's a lot of sexual and um, sexual references and language in it, which I'm which weren't there. But um, yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Chapter two as well. Um, my number two is uh, Toy Story four. Um, it's a lot of good stuff coming out this year, and, and you're like, oh my gosh, Toy Story four is you know one of them. Um, she looks like uh, I saw the trailer for that. Looks pretty interesting. Um, with him kind of uh, with Woody kind of going out on his own with um this other unconventional toy, and so um yeah, the Toy Story uh, franchise has been dynamite up to now, and I don't see it changing. Uh, some great voice talent from those long, long, long running it's characters. It's interesting that you put this one in this list because uh, it almost made my other list because. I, I don't think that this is a franchise that needed another entry. I thought that the way that they, they ended three, ripped everybody's hearts out, was perfect. And um, 
I was sure. not saying that I'm not going to watch it because I probably will. Um, and I, it's been it's been a while since I've watched a, a straight Disney movie, or I guess in this way a Pixar movie. But what what I mean is, I mean I've watched plenty of movies in the Disney umbrella, but not a, an actual Disney movie. Um, I just I just thought that it was it was one that uh like they, they just where where else were you going to go? And as you said, you know, and, and when you started talking about it, you know, Woody has went off on his own. So I guess that's where they're going to go with it. And that's fairly interesting. So it'd be interesting to see where they go with it. Yeah. Hopefully they don't ruin it, but, um, eh, time will tell. Um, Pixar usually doesn't go wrong usually. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, my, uh, number one anticipated, uh, off the radar film is a uh, rocket man. Um, that's the uh, Elton John bio music pick. I'm a sucker for um, bio music picks. Um, like I first fell in love with the genre with the Johnny Cash movie, which because I was not familiar with Johnny Cash at all. And there you go, Joaquin Phoenix again. Um, well, that was a fantastic movie, so it's understandable. Um, and so I really love that genre, and it really looks like I. I'm really interested to see what the untold story of Elton John is, even if it's fictionalized because I don't care if they get all the facts, right? <laughs> I just want a great movie, which um, maybe that's another conversation for another day with historical accuracy or accuracy in the story. Um, doesn't really matter to me. I just want a great movie and a uh, rocket man. Um, I want to see uh, more about Elton John and I love his music. I mean, yeah, I'll definitely watch that. I mean, if it's anywhere in, close to as good as bohemian then i mean it'll be good and i like musicals so or musical based movies so and then my number one off the radar is one i've been waiting for for quite quite some time and that will be zombie land double tap oh i didn't even notice that one. oh yes coming out in october i have so much hype um I'm I'm expecting good things. Um, hopefully, it doesn't you know like a lot of long-awaited sequels and just kind of kind of fall off. Um, but you know, good cast. You know, obviously the you know you got your four main original characters from the first one back. Um, so interesting to see where they take this as you know it is going to be ten years later in Zombieland. So let's see see where they go with it. I'm I'm pretty stoked for that one. Now remind me, in Zombieland One, is it the start of the zombie apocalypse? Uh, they had been in the zombie apocalypse for like a couple of years, I okay. guess, or maybe like a or maybe a few months. They had been in it for a little while. It wasn't a, like a flashback. Uh, flashback scene shows when it started mm -hmm. with Jesse Eisenberg, and I think I think it was a Amber Heard. Um, is it shows that when it started i think they had been there for a while and there wasn't like really anything really left so maybe maybe they'll bring in some new survivors you know you'll they have found some other settlements or something but i mean pretty much at that point it was just the four of them except for when you know of course um they ran into bill f and murray and uh unfortunately killed him <laughs> so all right now to our pick a flick section of the show and this week I am picking a movie from Joey's uh, diary um, to get his instant reaction on after he saw it not too long ago. So, Joey, tell me uh, your quick review of um, how was Alita Battle Angel? Okay, so I absolutely loved this movie. Um, 
it was gorgeous. The CGI was fantastic, which if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, by James Cameron's CGI team. So, of course it is. It's the same, the same team that did Avatar, which, I mean, I haven't seen that movie, but, you know, it's uh, renowned for its CGI. Um, you have never seen Avatar? No, I had no desire with all the hype and stuff around it. It just it just didn't look interesting to huh. me. Um, <laughs> it's Pocahontas in space. It's, it's worth it. It's a good action movie. I mean, I, I've heard that. I, I probably should at this point. Um so beyond the CGI and the special effects, you know, it's it's based off of a, a manga and an anime, which I didn't really know anything about. I just it, it looked really cool. It was directed by Richard Rodriguez. That's that's what I knew. I get in. Christoph Waltz is in the movie. All right, bam! I'm I am freaking in. Um, and then it was just this badass action movie where you've got um Alita who is a cyborg. Um, you know, there's a love story that's that's in the movie. And, you know, it's pretty, you know, a pretty big thing, but it didn't feel like it took over the movie to me. And then it was it was just this awesome, like, just this awesome, basically, I mean, it was basically, I won't say live action, because it was a lot of CGI, but live action, because, you know, there were real actors and stuff in it. And um, the only, my only real complaint was that the, the end of the movie left me, I don't want to say pissed off. That's what I wrote in my review was that it left me pissed off and, and not because the ending was bad, but because it, it didn't tie itself off. It, it was open-ended because I assume they're trying to do a sequel. That's how it ended. And I was just like, Oh my God, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. Like I just like, I wanted to watch more. Like I left the theater going like, where, where's the rest of this? And I mean, I think there was someone told me there's like six, six, seven, eight mangas or something like that. So hopefully they're, they're going to do more of it. Um, so, uh, great cast, uh, Christoph Waltz, Jennifer Connelly, Mark, Mr. Mr. Ali, I believe he's the gentleman who just won his second Oscar, uh, this year. Um, uh, Jackie, Jackie Earl Haley, uh, was also in it. Um, yeah, uh, Casper Van Dien had a cameo. There was a, there was a big name cameo at the end, um, as a, just, just a big name cameo. I don't even think they have him listed um so that was you know for anybody who wants to see it uh just spoiler you might want to turn away but ed norton has a big like cameo as like the big villain that she's trying to get to at the very end so i assume that um he they're gonna make another one that they cast him as the villain to you know try to get to oh very cool now did it take you um any time getting used to the CGI? I heard there was some uncanny valley action going on with her face. But I, I had no problem with it, um, like the whole time. I mean, it was just it was just a face. I mean, I don't watch a lot of anime, but you know, in anime, their their eyes are generally bigger anyway. Um, so, like I said, I didn't have really any any issue with it. But then again, I was kind of the whole movie just kind of just man, this movie's badass. Man, this movie's dope. So. I, I didn't have any issue with it. I, I I know that, you know, I posted that I had watched it and I had some people, you know, oh man, her eyes are weird. They freak me out, but it, it didn't bother me any. Very cool. All right. Moving on to our uh, challenge portion of the show. Uh, each week, um, Joey and I take turns challenging each other to watch different movies. Uh, now this can be um, take a di various, um, 
ways of going about this. I think um, so in week one, I challenged you to watch in Bruges, which you had been putting off and turns out you didn't like it because it, a certain actor, uh, is it Colin Farrell? And then yes. in week two, you challenged me to watch The Raid because that's an awesome action movie. That's one of your favorites. And then last week, I challenged you to watch Dogville because I'm a big fan of uh, Lars von Trier. And I kind of wanted to expand um, some of the directors you were watching. But it might have backfired because it didn't sound like you had too good of a time with it. So I, I didn't realize I had seen... Um... This is not my first Von Trier movie. I didn't realize I had seen uh, *Nymphomaniac* Part One uh, several years ago on Netflix. But uh, so, *Dogville*. These are uh, after I'm, after my initial my initial review where I, I kind of just I just s post it. Um, you know, I went back and kind of thought about it when the movie first came on. And, you know, they're on a, on a, like on a stage, like you would be on a play or something. You know, I hadn't ever seen it. You know, I don't ever recall seeing, you know, too many movies like that. I mean, I think there might be a few musicals that might be set like that or something, but you know, a non, a non-musical style movie set like that, that's, that's really different. So, you know, I was like, okay, this is going to be cool. They tell you from the front, it's going to be broken down into nine acts and a prologue. So basically 10 acts. All right, that's really cool. It's got a narrator. All right, that's cool. I generally like most things like that. Um, the cast list, fantastic. All right, so we got we got good actors. We got some some different elements that has the chance to to do some different stuff. And then I just was until the final act. I was just bored. There was a part I think in Act Five. I think when like when something finally started happening, which is, you know, when, uh, the first, uh, the first rape scene happens, it's like, okay, we're finally, we're getting somewhere. Something's going to happen. And, and, and then it was still, I think like another hour of the movie after that. Cause I think that was around the two hour point. Maybe I'm not, I'm not sure. And you're referring to the, 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 the gardener or the, the orchard guy. I think so. It was in his house and, yeah. um, yeah, it was just like it was hard for me to pay attention. It was hard for me to care. Now, like my roommate, he liked it. He enjoyed it, you know. And like I said, there was there was there was there was good acting. I mean, there was there was good camera work. There was just it was just hard for me to care about anything. Like I mean, I I got that, you know, they they made it, you know, where the the town was the small quaint town that you expect to be probably full of good people and they turned out that they were all you know just really bad people um you know they ended up putting her in chains and making her carry the weight around and you basically to protect her from the gangsters they basically made her a slave you know all of that you know the whole time they're building this town up to be you know really bad and like i said act nine picks up james Kahn, shows back up reveals that it's her father you know, she's the, you know, the big, the big mobster's fa- uh, daughter. And then, you know, everything goes down. She orders the execution. Um, she even, you know, puts the touch where she's like, hey, there's a, there's a mother that's real kind hearted with two kids. Um, start with uh, kill the kids first and tell her if she doesn't cry, you'll stop. Like that was, that was good. Like that was, I mean, that's brutal, <laughs> but you know, that was good. Yeah. And that's where I was like, oh, man, I actually uh, like I had perked up. I was actually I was into that. 
Um, but you know, I like revenge movies. I mean, anybody who's looked at, you know, that's listening has looked at my letterbox page or, you know, knows me, knows that, you know, I like Kill Bill. That's a revenge movie. They know that I, um, really like, um, old boy, you know, another revenge movie. So, you know, the, the revenge element happened. So, you know, of course I was, I was perked up. Um, but I was just, I was just, just really bored to, to be, to be honest. Okay. I can see that. Um, to kind of give you some background history, um, this was my first Lars von Trier movie, and I actually watched it for the first time when I was on travel, which was the same couple of days when you first started getting the letterbox. So this was actually like one of my first reviews um, when I watched um, Dogville on a laptop in a hotel. <laughs> and yeah, I just totally remember um, being kind of fascinated by the story and then blown away at the end, especially with what you described with the um, really getting back at these terrible people. And um, so I, I noticed an interesting thing this time to where I've noticed whenever I'm recommending an art movie to somebody and then I watch it in order to either like help walk them through it or defend it. Well, and, and so in this case, it was kind of a defense because I watched it last night uh, just so I could be ready for this conversation. And I actually find that I enjoy these movies a little bit less because things like the slowness kind of linger on me a little bit more. Like I'm like, all right, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up so I can, you know, like justify why I like this so much. And um, I think whenever you're coming into it and you're just kind of watching it casually, some of those scenes can just kind of wash over you and they don't bother you as much. Like for an, another instance is like I was watching uh, Clockwork Orange with my nephew and it was real. I was really noticing how much it dragged in some areas. And I'm like, oh, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. So that's an interesting observation I picked up on just myself in terms of um, talking about movies I love um, with people. Because, I mean, art, art films are an acquired taste for sure. So why do I like Dogville a lot? Um, it's a really interesting film in that, you know, it's kind of a, a deconstruction, um, as you had mentioned, with it being on a stage. Um, if you kind of think about it, um, Lars, von Lars von Trier, this is part of his, um, a series of movies you know, he had planned to make. He's only made two so far, this one and Manderley, and it's called his... Um, America Land of Opportunity series and it's kind of an anti-American film. Did you get that vibe at all? Okay, I did not I did not realize it was supposed to be necessarily anti-American. And a lot of people actually criticized him after he said that because he's like, "Well, have you ever been to America? Well, how can you say?" And he's like, "Well, I just, you know, I report whatever I see, you know, the reporters say on uh, the news or whatever." Um and so what I find interesting is how symbolic it is. Sometimes it's really on the nose with its um, its symbolism, which I didn't mind, but a lot that bothers some people. So that's, that's kind of kind of an interesting balance of how subtle a director will apply um, their the symbolism. But in this case, I see the the town of Dogville being kind of a microcosm of society, humanity, America, what have you. And so you know, America. Typically in history, we don't like foreigners very much. And so you have this lady coming in and everyone wants nothing to do with her. You can't, you, uh, we don't want anything to do with you. And she's like, well, I can help. Well, how can you help me? You're a foreigner. You know, you don't know what I do. 
and gradually they let her in, they let her help, and then they're like, well, we're going to make you work twice as much for half of that pay. And so you have elements like that that are really kind of picking apart at these um, unfortunate um, elements of American history that you've seen where our society does to certain kinds of workers. So you have that part going on. Okay, yeah, that's 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 actually pretty good. I never I never, you know, put two and two together. I just put the, you know, they were they were pretty, you know, trashy people that, you know, weren't helping this person in in, in need, but yeah, that's especially recent American history, you know, definitely uh right on the nose. So I don't want to be preachy, but um why do you think it's called Dogville? I was actually kind of curious about that and I, I was you know thinking near the end uh there was the scene after they had murdered everybody and burnt the town to the ground the the, the dog was still alive and it it looked like you know, it's kind of hard yeah. to tell since you know some of the stuff was just chalk lines and such uh i was thinking that maybe that was like a kennel or something and maybe the town had originally been like a place that had kept dogs or bred dogs or something but i was like this seems like that's there's probably some some something more to it than just that, but I I, I wasn't I wasn't 100 percent sure. I don't think there's any clear interpretation. Um, one of the first things I was thinking about it about was the fact that Dogville or Dogma, this um, town is very set in their ways, set in a strict set of do, um, dogma principles. So that was coming to mind um, towards the end when she's chained up and used and abused. It's almost like you know, this uh, kind of a wounded animal um, kind of feel to it. Um, and did you get the, uh, whenever, this part was really on the nose for me. So whenever um, Khan and uh, Nicole, Nicole Kidman are talking in the car, did you pick up on that whole like maybe Jesus and God vibe as they're talking about like a judgment that are gonna, it's going to about to bestow on these people? I mean, not per se. I was just more like, like again, like I said, I was just more like, okay, something's finally happening. So I was just kind of like, oh my god, something's going on, something's happening. Oh my god, they're finally going to do something. But you know, think thinking back on it, mm -hmm. you know, hearing you know you say that, I could definitely pick up on that vibe. Um, and you know, I, mm -hmm. I could you know see that you know, especially you know, you think about it. He's he's this big, powerful gangster. You know, she's lived under his roof, you know, under his house. He's always had people at his beck and call to do whatever he wants. So you know, his word has been law. His word has been basically the word of God her whole life. So, you know, that would, yeah, totally fit. Yeah. And you almost kind of see her going in the society and doing good to people. And then in the end, they turn their back on her, just like kind of the Christ story. Um and then in the end, instead of dying for sins, goes back up to the big man and said, "We need a we need to wipe this place clean." So a little bit more of a, a jagged edge on that at the end of that story. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, some of the parts that really got to me that really made me feel this um, movie. The first time I remember watching where she thought she escaped Dogville by riding in the back of this truck with apples. And then like the guy driving, it's like, you know, there's too, there's so much risk. You, I need more payment. And she's like, I have nothing to give you. And so he rapes her and you're like, oh damn, 
you know, that, that that's, that's brutal. And then she wakes up and she's back in the town and they're all confronting her. Like, how dare you try to escape us? Who, who are, who do you think you are? And that really got under my skin. Um, the scene about where, you know, the, the mother you had talked about earlier, you know, it was an eye for an eye in that situation because, um, you know, she, the one thing she wanted to save up her money for, for working for these awful people were these little figurines. And so she um, saved up to buy all the figurines. And then whenever she gets accused of all these things, like tempting her husband and being mean to her child, which were, you know, that was all manipulation. She wasn't responsible for any of that. And then they got back at her by breaking these things. And they were just these little trinkets, but man, the, the, the devastation on Nicole Kidman's face in that scene really got to me. And so it was so rewarding. Like Lars is really good at getting under your skin. And so with these people, like the whole time you're like, Oh, they're okay. Oh, they're getting worse. Oh, they're getting terrible. Like he really has a way of, and it really kind of, he's, he's almost like making you into a bad person because typically, you know, you don't, you wouldn't want to see a whole town of people get gunned down. But by the end of this experience, you want them you know, dead, bloody everywhere. And that's exactly what he gives you. So I found, I found that part of the, um, the climax is very satisfying. Like you had said. Yeah. You, you definitely just, you know, this, those things, it's like, well, they had it coming. Yeah. You, you know, the humanity, you know, the, the humanist in you or whatever you want to say, your humanity is like, man, you know, you shouldn't, shouldn't gun a whole town down, but you know, as they abused her, enslaved her basically or indentured servitude her then chained her up and then you know basically every male in the town raped her you know it's like well you, you know what nah screw them you know <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind of funny because the guy who's kind of courting her the whole time who um betrays her towards the end he's like respectful for her he um he's not like you know, trying to get, um, get with her constantly. But then by the end, he almost feel, <laughs> feels foolish because, you know, the entire, the t- entire town's had her and he, and look, and, you know, he's just kind of like, Ugh. yeah, <laughs> kind of there sitting there. Yeah. He's like, well, everyone else has had you. And she's like, but you know, she's, you know, she doesn't say this, you know, and, and you know, she says it for that time period. She's like, yeah, they're not really by choice. You know, it's not, <laughs> You know, like, you know, yeah. is, is there, you know, is there more to us than just, you know, sex, basically? And it's, uh, so yeah, it was, yeah. And then, you, mm-hmm. then, you know, he kind of like, oh, you're not going to give it up. Cool. I'm going to call this number. And, you know, yeah. And then, yeah. yeah. Get the gangsters down there. And they, and he thinks, you know, he's getting back at her, but really he's just spelling out their own doom. So, yeah, it's, I definitely get that it's it's drawn like I I had I had totally forgot that this movie was three hours and it really doesn't need to be that long. Um, one thing I noticed was like like with her conversation with the blind man, it goes on a little while and he's talking about oh how beautiful the sunrise is over these peaks and stuff and it's really it's worded really nicely, but at the same time it doesn't advance the plot. So some some I mean that's kind of a catch twenty two of how much like fruitful dialogue you have in there compared to how much you're, you know, pushing things forward. You know, sometimes you just got to move on with it. Um, it was kind of neat. And I pulled up a, a YouTube video of Quentin Tarantino talking about like the top 20 movies that have been made since he's a filmmaker. And he actually listed this as number seven. 
and said he was really impressed with this script. And he's, he thought if this had been made into a stage play, this would have definitely gotten a, some kind of prize. It actually, um, have you ever heard of Gus Van Sant's elephant? Uh, I can't say that I have. That's a really interesting film. That's all kind of like a point of view kind of movie about a school shooting coming together. So it's kind of interesting that we talked about, um, we need to talk about Kevin earlier with that being kind of a, um, a tragedy movie in that sense. And this came, this got beat out at the Cannes Film Festival by um, Gus Van Sant's Elephant. So it's a little bit of a coincidence. I got a kick out of there. Um, are you a big fan of Kirsten Dunst? Um, I mean, I have nothing nothing wrong with her. I mean, I, the movies I've seen, you know, she's usually pretty good in them. You know, she's done she's done well. I mean, uh, you know, the Spider Man's, uh, I think Virgin Suicides. I I want to say, I mean, I've definitely seen her in some other stuff that's just not coming to my head at the moment. The reason I ask is she stars in one of uh, Lars's other movies, um, Melancholia, which I thought about recommending. Which I thought about recommending. Um, I'm just thinking maybe if there was some more eye candy in there, maybe um, his work might catch your attention. Um, I don't know if I'm thinking of you too shallow in that way. I mean, we all like I some mean, good eye candy. We do all so. like some eye candy, and I mean. This is me, not to joke on myself some, but I mean, I do appreciate eye candy. I mean, Nicole Kidman is is a, is a very attractive woman, uh, especially in the you know the early two thousands when this movie was made. Um, I mean, I I don't know. We 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 could have had you know ScarJo and J Law in this movie, you know, running around, and I think I probably would have still been bored. Like it's just. Oh, I I don't know about that. Um. Uh, maybe. Um, I definitely think Nicole Kidman's a great actress, but I've never really, I, I don't know. She's always kind of felt like my mother <laughs> instead of, you know, like someone I would look at um, in that sense. Um, Manderley, the sequel to this is interesting because it has uh, Bryce Dallas Howard and uh, um, she's quite appealing, I would say. So um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about an art movie in terms of, if the lead actress is really like attractive. Um, so two instances I can think of there is like under the skin we had talked about earlier today. And, you know, that goes to a whole nother level just because Scarlett Johansson is like, you know, a goddess on earth. Um, and then the movie we were talking about last episode, um, warm is, uh, blue is the warmest color. The lead actress in that is also very attractive. So there it's almost like an art film, you know, can actually, your interest can get even, you can get even more interested in it whenever, you know, you're really kind of drawn to, um, an attractive woman in a film, <laughs> not to be, try not to be shallow here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, try, try not to be shallow, but I mean, we're all humans. We all, you know, want to, you know, look at a good looking people. And I mean, people yeah. definitely get cast sometimes whether, you know, whether they're good for the part or not because of how they look. So, I mean, we, we've talked before, I don't, I don't think on the the cast, but we've definitely talked before about spring breakers. And I mean, that was a movie basically, I mean, they had some good cast members, but I mean, all of the girls were cast because they were attractive. Um, you know, sure. at least definitely in part because they were attractive I and mean, they needed to be because it was girls, you know, on spring break and, you know, naked to partially partially naked to naked you know the whole time so yeah spring breakers is a super interesting film there's a lot of symbolism in that that i got out of that maybe we'll chat at another 
chat about it another time. But um, yeah, I really the, the casting in Spring Breakers is really great since you have all those like former like Disney Channel uh, girls and they're like flip their roles are kind of like flipped upside down in this um this Harmony Corinne uh, crazy. How do I describe that movie? He that's that's a tone poem all about like the craziness of society. <laughs> so I, I'll leave it there. I, I'll have to re re gear my brain to talk about spring breakers. That one's an inch. It's a little bit too repetitive, but I, I really enjoy that film. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so my final verdict on uh dogville, um, I, I rated this five stars the first time I saw it, but I agree with you. It is a little slow. It's kind of a slow burn at times. So, um, like I said, that factor of me kind of wanting to defend it, uh, I didn't quite enjoy it this much time. And I think the first time you watch it is probably the best time you watch it because you don't because you don't know where it's leading to in that satisfying ending. Um, so I gave it a four and a half. I really I still really enjoyed it. I think it's really well made, um, but it is a little slow. I agree with you. You have um, is your have I swayed your opinion at all? Maybe maybe a two star. <laughs> Uh no, I'm still I'm still gonna leave it at one star, honestly, because of the last scene and and because of the acting. Like I said, the acting was was really good, and I mean, I, I kind of expected that considering who was in it. Um, I mean maybe maybe one day if I've got you know three hours to kill and I've I've burned through all my three hour movies I want to watch or something, I'll I'll give it another shot at at some point. But I just like it was it was. It just didn't do anything for me. And gotcha. if there's anybody who's, who's listening, you know, that's just that's just my take on it. Like I said, you know, like listening, you know, like Justin really liked it. And if you're into, you know, to more art house movies and you you heard what we said, you know, there's, you know, it's it's, you know, give it a shot. You know, maybe you'll like it. I just it just wasn't for me. Um, yeah, all subjective here. Every, everyone likes different stuff. It's just it just did not move the needle for me at all all right time for uh joey joey to challenge me back let's see what uh what direction he goes in okay so i i had this picked out for a while i was choosing between two movies and since the last time i i challenged you i had picked a movie that was subbed i chose to pick something a little different and this actually is gonna loose tie in to our where we picked our top three movies and uh, so I'm going to pick the 2009, uh, movie It's directed by one Kyle Newman. This is, uh, going to be a little bit different than what we've done here. I think before, um, I'm going to pick fanboys. This is not on your have watch list. Um, Oh yeah. So, um, I thought it was, per- I, think you- I thought it was produced by Kevin Smith, but went and checked and I don't see his name in the credits anywhere. So, uh, doesn't appear to be but it's uh anybody who's not familiar it is uh a comedy set in 1999 about a group of friends trying to go across country and break into skywalker ranch to uh see an early Mm -hmm. screening of the phantom menace uh to tie back into us wanting to see episode nine um and I, i love it um i've seen it numerous numerous times um and I also have a huge affinity and love for Kristen Bell, and she's in the movie. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you. That was totally off my radar. I briefly remember you telling me about it on the phone some, so I'm excited to uh, be required to see it. I, I, I like the premise of, you know, <laughs> um, you know, something that I never even thought of, and now I'm going to watch it. Shoots to the top of my list. That's what this show is all about. Great. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So um, let's we can briefly talk about some of the movies we enjoyed recently. Um, I wanted to know um, – I got the opportunity to see a film called Under the Silver Lake um, starring uh, – who was the amazing Spider-Man? That's um, Andrew Garfield. Um, all right. All right, so Under the Silver Lake is a really crazy film. Um, how do I even start? It's all about kind of a nostalgia. It hits you with some nostalgia on different levels where like there's this big like old Hollywood vibe to it. So there's a lot of Hitchcock stuff in there. There's some Kubrick stuff in there. And it's all about this slacker in L.A. I'm not sure if you've ever seen Rear Window from Hitch- Hitchcock. But that movie kind of gets started by this guy kind of peering out the window and seeing something go down. So it kind of starts like that. And it goes into this whole like conspiracy theory, like hidden clues kind of um, journey that this guy takes. And it has some like more modern nostalgia along the way. Like there's this whole video game element. Like so just to to tease it a little bit like so we said Andrew Garfield you know he played the amazing Spider-Man there's actually a scene in this movie where he gets something sticky on his hand and he grabs the nearest piece of paper he can and it's a Spider-Man comic and he's trying to get it off his hand just like he did in the Spider-Man movie (laughs) okay that's that's pretty dope I mean he's not my favorite Spider-Man but that that is pretty dope I will give you and there's even a scene where um Topher Grace right Topher he played, so he played, he got a lot of, so Andrew Garfield got a lot of flack for playing Spider-Man. Topher Grace got a lot of flack for playing Venom and he's in the movie too. And they chill out and play video games together. <laughs> so, okay. That was even kudos to the casting, the casting director of that movie. I, I, I high five you, sir. <laughs> um, it's from the same director as it follows. It's been delayed quite a bit, but I happen to get a hold of a screener copy of it. And I really enjoyed it. Um, there is, it's almost like playing a game with how many little references are in there. Like I remember watching it at one point and I'm like, Oh my God, this is just like the shining or, Oh my God, this is just like vertigo. So I really enjoyed it. Um, it, so I really recommend checking out, um, under the silver Lake. And then the other, um, movie I saw recently that I just wrote a review on letterbox for was, uh, ghost world with, um, Scarlett Johansson and, um, I forget the no- name of the other actress, Thor but Birch. she's fr- the little girl from Hocus Pocus. Did you say Dora Birch? Yeah, thank you. And um, and uh, Steve Buscemi's in it as well. And that movie is all about kind of – it's kind of like Daria, the movie, about these like snarky um, high school girls that have just graduated and they're trying to figure out the next direction in life. And they're all like anti-society, but um, – and so that that's that's a fun one. It's kind of a comedy, has some artsy elements to it. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend checking out my review on uh, Letterbox um, to hear more about my thoughts on Ghost World. And up next for me, I actually just put a few movies together in a pile. I put Mad Max Fury Road because I hadn't seen that since it came out. I have that on 4K. Um, I have Starship Troopers on 4K that I want to get to watch. Uh, the Matrix. 
a mad, 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 mad world and Annihilation. <laughs> I have a little short stack next to my TV of those. Um, so hopefully by the next episode, I'll, I'll get all those in. I'll be very proud of myself. What have you seen lately, Joey? Uh, the, I actually just watched 10 Cloverfield Lane, and I was just blown away uh, by that movie. Um, John Goodman put in just a crazy powerhouse performance. Actually, I've seen two movies with him in it this year. They're both in my top 10 list that I have. I have a, or a top, they're in the top 10 of my ongoing movie list that I've watched this year. Um, he just, I, I had always thought of him as this comedic kind of comedic guy, you know, who's in Roseanne when I was growing up and I just I never really, I guess, paid him a lot of attention. And that was just a mistake. Um, and like, what's the other movie you saw with uh, him the big Lebowski. Okay. And that, that is, you're out of your element, Donnie. Yeah. Am I the only one who gives a shit about the rules around here? Like, Oh my god, I love that movie so much. What about shut up about Nom, was, man? Dude, I'm so mad at myself for having not watched it. Um, I'm kind of glad I didn't watch it last year when I did that big classics countdown, though, because it would probably not even made or it would have been really lower. Like right now, I've got it in three slot. But yeah, but back to Cloverfield, like the juxtaposition in the size between like him and Mary yeah. Elizabeth Weinstead is, is is such a good, you know. A, mm. it was just that alone was was crazy and then they're in this you know the bunkers the, the yeah conf- i mean it's it's big yeah they're not trapped space, in one room, but it's still just a bunker and then you know oh man that movie was so good like it just i wasn't what i i, I didn't have really any expectations but you know, like i was sitting there you know talking with carl and i was like this isn't what i expected at all this to be this bunker movie and then you know it's crazy. John Goodman's crazy. You know, there's nothing wrong with the air. He's just this crazy guy. And then I was like, oh, snap. He's he's not wrong. Like, you know, spot on the money. So that's that's the most recent one. Um, I don't really mm, yeah. have anything really lined up, actually, other than, you know, Under the Silver Lake sounds awesome. Um, all the nods to other movies, that's one of the re- uh, reasons, like, there wasn't any nods specifically, I think, to La La Land itself, other than it was just a nod to the old movie style and that's one of the things i loved about it a lot anything that takes nods to other things i really like um so under the silver lake actually is probably shot near the near the top um and uh i'd put ghost world on the watch list and i'm probably going to add it to my scarjo list so both of those are probably near the top but we've just been putting off watching uh yojimbo in the dollar trilogy so i really need to get on that and make that happen but just you know life okay. gotten in the way so hopefully those will happen soon yeah i know how that can be um did i also see that you put bell de jour on your watch list uh yes okay so i i, I piqued your interest there yeah yeah i mean i uh i look at the stuff that you that you watch and uh you know you uh review and you know that one seemed pretty interesting um at, at some point hopefully i'll i'll get around to watching it um, if you have uh, just 14 or 15 minutes to burn, I would uh, look up a movie called Andalusian Dog on YouTube. It's um, it's by the same director, this guy named Bonwell. It's his short film. It's really it kind of just gives you a taste of how surreal this guy is. This is like he's like the old school master of surre- uh, surrealism, and um, yeah, he's a crazy director. Yeah, I look forward to hearing um, if you start watching some of his work. All right. Cool. I'll keep that in mind. Uh, 
for sure. Okie dokie. Well, I think we've reached the end of our show and it's the grand reveal of um, what I have selected next from your list. And I had been going through all the movies on your list I hadn't seen before, but this time I changed it up. This is one I have seen before. Um, it's a movie that totally blew my mind the first time I saw it. I really came in with no expectations and I was actually thinking a lot about Fight Club as I watched it. So it'll be interesting to see if you pick up on those vibes at all. It is from a Swedish director, Igmar Bergman. It is the fantastic, the wonderful Persona. Very trippy movie and I look forward to, hopefully you enjoy it. Oh yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to this one. Um, I and this one's going to be pretty easy to watch as it's in on, on a Blu-ray disc in my house. So that'll be, that'll be good. Um, oh, great. Uh, I honestly, it goes by real fast. Too. Good, good. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to this because both you and my roommate have, have nothing but good things to say about this one. So um, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward, looking forward to this one uh, quite a lot. I think next episode is as good as this one is. Uh, I, I think next exp- episode is going to be uh is going to be aces with the, with the two movies we got. Awesome. So look for it in the next um, couple weeks to a month. You know, we're just kind of filling out um, our podcasting, ha- um, you know, routine here. So look for the next uh, episode five to feature uh, persona and uh, fanboys, definitely along with a lot of other great movie talk. That's what we're all about. Just kind of skimming through what we like, our thoughts and uh, getting it out there. You know, it's all about, you know, just kind of turn turning something on to listen to and hearing some guys talk about movies. And oh man, they talked about um, Big Lebowski. You hadn't seen that? That shot to my top of my list. I think that's what we're all about. For for sure, like just all all good movie talk. Uh, I, I feel that that is a, a a good way to to represent it. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out our uh, letterbox accounts for our um, up-to-the-date movie thoughts. You can find that information on how to find us on Letterbox in the show description. Without further ado, happy movie watching. Cheers, everyone. Bye, everybody. Have a good day. <laughs>